Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Monday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, uh, I think we're at the place where can we look at moral victories? Because I think the Lakers got one on Saturday. Maybe it's time to look at them. Uh, the Lakers get through the trade deadline. LeBron James passes a slightly made up but still impressive milestone. All of that coming up and more on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday. Get this thing up for you as early as we possibly can. Try making another Locked On podcast your second listen of every day. Um, no matter where you get your podcasts, we got all this uh, Lakers stuff covered for you. Um, we'll get to a slightly manufactured but still impressive LeBron James milestone, which he reached on Saturday. Uh, and then obviously, Andy, the Goran Dragic trade or sorry, uh, buyout market news is percolating. We'll get to that. Um, I mentioned though in the open, the Lakers maybe we have reached a place where moral victories are uh worth looking at because actual victories aren't. You know, there's there's only a limited amount of space where like real victories are going to move them around in the standings. Um, they are a full five and a half games behind Denver to get uh, up to the sixth and get out of the play-in tournament. Uh, they would have to jump over the Clippers and Timberwolves to do that. Meanwhile, th- while they're only a game and a half behind the Clippers for the eight spot, the Clippers got some bad news this weekend with Norman Powell uh, now being out indefinitely, who they just yeah. acquired. So that actually yeah. could help the Lakers jump from nine to eight, and that matters. Um, they are four games though behind Minnesota to get up to the seven. So, I mean, they're going to be an eight or a nine almost surely. And at this point, Andy, it seems to me that all that matters is how are they playing? Um, are they getting better? Are they playing better? And to that extent, Saturday was a positive development, I thought, for the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really believe Brian, in all honesty, in the concept of moral victories, however they get fine uh, defined or whatever at this level. I mean, it's big boy basketball and you lost, but maybe it was a morale victory. Um, if you, if you, I mean, I'm being serious. If no, you, I understand. You right. About this, that, that's yeah. Morale if you want to think matters. If you, yeah. Morale does matter, particularly with this team because the morale had been God awful leading up to the trade deadline and we we can talk about this we had actually you know theorized that maybe getting past the trade deadline could have a positive effect on this team because everybody would recognize for better or for worse hopefully the former this is the team and you remove any ambiguity about it and maybe it creates some resolve um for these guys so but either way though i i don't think about it in terms of like you know, again, moral victory to me always has felt like, even if it's not how you meant it, it's always felt to me like you're trying to almost talk yourself into the idea of a win. They lost. Right. But, but yeah, but you can championship teams play well and they lose at times. I mean, just sports works that way. This was a game where on balance, they played pretty well. And in, in terms of just looking at them as a team, how did they perform as a team mm-hmm. with a set purpose and trying to execute a set goal? This was the best that they have looked in a long time during this uh, 117-115 loss to the Warriors. Um, 
ABC primetime. So yeah. if nothing else, uh, maybe they expose themselves a little bit to some audiences who'd already given up on them. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, and, and to your point, like I, all I meant is that they have lost so much because I agree with you about the, you know, the, the notion of moral victories, they've lost so much that they've reached a place where winning and losing, they have very little wiggle room in their, in their, uh, where they can finish. They're really almost certainly going to be an eight or a nine. And again, there's a big difference between eight and nine, you know, win once versus win twice to get in. But like the days of thinking, okay, if they get rolling, they could be a five seed or a six seed or a four seed. Like th that, that ship has long since sailed and they need to start feeling better about themselves and how they're playing and have a better, um, sort of objective, you know, kind of scale of like, okay, that was a decent, competent basketball game. And I thought on Saturday against Golden State, missing Draymond and all this, I'm not saying Golden State's quaking in their boots for what might be a first round matchup, depending on how things go. Um, they looked competent. They looked like a competent team playing a very good team. And that is a major change. And they looked competent while LeBron and while AD were not particularly good. Like if this was game one of the playoffs, Lakers fans would be like, oh, they lost by two. LeBron was one for 10 in the fourth quarter. AD was barely there after the first. Like we got a lot to feel good about. Like that's totally normal reaction. That it, That's what that game felt like to me. This was the rare game, Brian, where you could argue that Russell Westbrook and several members of the supporting cast, when you lay out expectations and what is reasonably needed and expected from each guy in their role, those guys were actually let down by LeBron and AD. And, and that's a pretty rare thing, particularly with LeBron and I guess really particularly with the supporting cast being all over the place and Russ's, you know, <laughs> I think very well publicized issues of late. Like, LeBron had an absolutely miserable fourth quarter. He was one of 10 from the field. He missed four free throws. Three of his four turnovers came in the fourth quarter. And, you know, LeBron talking about it afterwards, he said that both this was very unlike him and he didn't feel like himself, but he also credited Golden State. He said they did a very good job on him. He didn't feel, he didn't sound nor should he particularly worried about this in terms of what it all means. I think he was just pissed at himself at the idea of we had a winnable game that we, you know, we can use every win we can bank against a really good team. And we didn't get it in large part being totally honest because of me. Yeah. Like, Le I mean, like look, LeBron, 20, that's really nine of 27 for a guy who's been very efficient over the he course had a of this really, year. LeBron had a really good first quarter from there. I thought he played progressively worse until the fourth quarter where he was frankly pretty abysmal yeah. and AD had a few scattered moments here and there, but he was 16 points on five of 13 from the field. He had yeah. three blocks, but he also had six trips to the line in, I mean, 10 trips to the line, in which case he only made six of those free throws. He has been miserable, Brian, from the free throw line over the last four games, 15 of 29, over the last 10, which includes some games where we've talked about this, he has been dominant overall. He's only shooting 65% from the line over the last 10. Like, this has been just absolutely unacceptable from, from Anthony Davis at the line, especially for the Lakers in this game. 
you know, there's been a theme for them all year. Uh, they missed 11, uh, excuse me, they missed 11 free throws in this game. They were 22 of 33, which obviously is a big difference in this game. They've missed the second most free throws in the league. They are also seventh on the season in free throw attempts, which means they are leaving a boatload yeah, of points on the table. They're a terrible free throw shooting team, and it's not getting any better. I mean, I look, I I think I LeBron had a bad game. I mean, I thought had you know if he hits four of his shots out of ten in the fourth quarter, even if they lose, you know, I think it changes the way you look at the game. Um, it was not his best game in terms of. I think caring for the ball, a couple of really sloppy turnovers and all that. But, you know, again, you you can turn that one into a four. Um, even in a loss, I think it's it, it changes the tenor. If it turns of the way into a four, they win. Well, I'm just saying, even if, say, Golden sure. State scored enough points to make it so they still won. Um, Anthony Davis's performance was much more worrisome to me. Uh, and, you know, let's, let's get to AD next because... You know, LeBron is, I think, earned a you know a little bit of benefit of the doubt in terms of he's going to be LeBron. AD less so uh, has been much more worrisome over the course of the year, and after a great restart coming back from injury, has slipped back into some of those early season habits, and that is deeply problematic for the Lakers going forward. We'll talk about it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar. Okay, we have reached the point now. It is. February, people are just tossing their New Year's resolutions out the window. You know why? Because most of them are a pain in the butt, and they're not fun to even attempt. I had an entire ones... quart of lard today. Yeah, <laughs> you know why? Because, right, because you know you, you looked at yourself in the mirror, and you're like, what, what's the point, man? I'm never going to get fit. But Brian, and it really shows you've been paying attention to nothing we've been talking about all season. The answer's right in front of you. It's Built Bars, Brian. Built Bars are the protein bars. They taste like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar, certainly better than lard. Your lard, I guarantee, unlike a built bar, not covered in 100% chocolate. Is it? No. Is it? That is not. No, it's not. And you know what? That's why built bars taste so great. Most of them contain just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, but 17 grams of protein. Great flavors to choose from, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, salted caramel, down the line. Maybe they'll come up with a lard flavor. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCK15, 15% off at built.com. All right, so here's AD over the last three games. Five of 13 against Golden State on Saturday. That's inefficient and and not good. Um, Eight of 11 against Portland in the loss there. Um, And... 8 of 10 against Milwaukee in that blowout. Which is the number that bothers you? Because I can tell you which number bothers me. It's the attempts. 5 of 13, 8 of 11, 8 of 10. That is not enough from Anthony Davis in terms of shot attempts. I mean, LeBron taking 27 is too many. Um, and that's you know a little beyond what he normally does. And it's not efficient enough and all that stuff. Anthony Davis needs to take more than you know, an average of 11 and a half shots a game over the last three. And, you know, when you go back to those games that he was dominating, it was 19, 24, 18, 20, 21. I would rather see Anthony Davis go six of 24 than eight of 10. You know, it's like they need him to be more present and, uh, you know, 
involved in the offense. And whether or not, Andy, that is a function of Frank Vogel or a function of Anthony Davis or probably a little bit of both, to whatever degree it's Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis needs to fix it. Yeah, there, there have been some times where it, it's felt like the offense is being run in, in ways that aren't totally involving AD, where he's going back to floating out on, on the perimeter a little bit more than you would like, and that some uh, passiveness is, is coming into this, whether it is, again, because of what they're doing or AD kind of putting that upon himself. Well, it's hard to tell. It's like it's it's a it's it's very chicken and egg sometimes. Yeah, and of, and of how it goes. And in this game against the Warriors, it was also really interesting in terms of trying to figure this out and and, and tricky because this was the best the Lakers have looked in half court sets in quite some time, maybe the entire season. I agree. So and they uh, were smart about it too. They, right. they posted up LeBron. They posted right. up Russ. They posted up AD. Right. They took advantage. It's actually one of the games where I really thought they smartly took advantage of their size. Yeah, and I and I asked Vogel about that after the game, and he said that the, heading into Golden State was a rare opportunity that they actually had to practice, and that they worked specifically a lot on spacing and screening and having uh, really working on the execution of their offensive game plan, which again was really good in terms of those half-court sets that typically are where the Lakers are at their worst. But the flip side of that is some of what they were running by design, like you said, if they're posting up LeBron, posting up AD, it may involve AD uh, posting up Ron, uh, LeBron, posting up Russ, I should say, might be involving AD a little bit less. So on one hand, it was sure. looking good. On the other hand, the byproduct seemed to be Anthony Davis involved less. But just the last few games in general – I don't know if he was sort of caught up in the general malaise of this team, or maybe he's starting to feel some fatigue after going as hard as he had, you know, having been away, you know, with, with which the, happens. The knee issue. That is a very normal, whatever reaction. it is, sure. whatever it is, they need him to get back to looking like that dude, just one more game. Then he gets the entire all-star break off and, and he can truly recharge but against Utah, if they're going to try to get a win on the board before they break, he's got to play better than this. The flip side, though, Brian, if, you, if we're looking for some positive trends maybe to build on from this game, Russell Westbrook, who everyone is always worried about 24-7, after a really rough first quarter where he had a few bad shots, he had a few defensive lapses that were just him ball-watching or him not getting back enough, um, all, one of them was all, there was one Russ, uh, occasion Russ doing Russ stuff. Yeah, Russ doing Russ stuff on a. There was one occasion where he had he had missed a layup, and then he was really supposed to be marking Kaminga, who had an unbelievable game. Man, and he good. Kaminga just got good. past him easily in transition. But as the game went along, Russ got a lot more locked in on both sides of the ball. And I'm not gonna lie, I had been concerned that this was gonna be a game where Russ kind of checked out. And it was the absolute obvious. And Vogel praised him a lot after the game. Russ seemed really happy with his own results after the game. And I think, you know, we 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 speculated on for Thursday's show last week, you know, after the deadline. Like one of the silver linings is that potentially um I'm sorry for Friday's show, that like like not doing anything at the very least puts the issue to bed. And you know, THT had a good game, you know, you could say it was because of the deadline, he actually had a pretty good game his couple games before. He's played a definitely sort of playing better. But I'm sure it helps to you know just have that off the table for a little while. 
Uh, but the guy who benefits the most is Russ. And it's not because we're going to stop asking questions about the fit. And we're not going to stop asking questions about each performance. And there's going to be another game where he sits. And it was, I'm old enough to remember, you know, Wednesday, whatever it was, when Russ was like, yeah, my back hurts because I'm sitting for longer stretches of games than I'm used to. Um, not a terribly subtle reference to Frank Vogel and, and, and the coaching staff. But it does change the context. You know, it legitimately changes the context that at least until the summertime, Russell Westbrook is going to be a Laker. He's not going to be traded for John Wall. They don't have to decide whether or not they're going to, uh, you know, throw in a first round pick. And for better or for worse, this is the team. Russ is here and he's staying here. And I realize it doesn't take all of it away, but I do think that context change matters. And it is significant and at least opens the door for a, a bit of a refresh and a bit of a restart to what has been a, we'll say tension filled last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, controversial Ru couple of weeks. Russ is so damn mercurial that I'm not, I'm not assigning any conclusion to any of this. Oh, no, there's nobody's out of the woods here. All I'm oh, saying for is sure. there's the potential for no, a no. restart. I, I know you're not. I'm just pointing that out. Like he, Russ, the the temperature with him, you know, on the court, personality wise, all of it goes so up and down so constantly that th there's no point in reading too much into this or making any anything declarative uh, with a conclusion. But he he, I like the idea that he seemed satisfied with what happened. After this game, like he, he seemed at peace with a lot of stuff. I think this had been weighing on him, you know, it, as much as, as much as I'm not always, I'm not sure how he takes in everything that's going on with him right now, but the idea that you for, you know, that you really pushed hard to land into this situation that was, you know, about playing for your childhood team and at home and that you could end up getting traded mid-season in a salary dump for the dude that you've already been traded for right. like that that's there's a, a lot to be major these yeah. are very proud it would be humiliating that, it would be straight up right. humiliating and i look i you know guys need to you know sublimate your ego to win you know to win uh, okay fine i get all that stuff but like you know, the, they are not robots, and most of these guys get where they are. They get to the level that they are in part because they have incredible, unshakable belief in themselves. Mm -hmm. And this has been bad for Russ's ego. And I don't mean that in a like kind of like surface level, you know, get over yourself kind of thing. Like, you know, like in, I think really deep and meaningful ways of, you know, where you're thinking about your, your mortality as a basketball player. Um, and again, this is all these guys have done from the, you know, Russell Westbrook has been doing this since he was like set seven, you know, like they don't know anything else because of the, it takes that much to get to this level. And while it would be great if guys would just oh, do the right thing. It ain't that easy. No. And the scenario that you were talking about that, by the way, still could happen this summer is deeply humiliating. I think that is a good way of putting it. And 
to at least have that off the table for three months will help. Well, um, it will help if he plays like he did on 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 Saturday, well, seven of thirteen from the floor, only took two three pointers. Uh, you know, kept the turnovers down and all that stuff. It was a very responsible Russell Westbrook game. Well, here's the thing too, in terms of something that you and I have talked about a lot during the season and that we haven't always agreed upon, but you saw evidence of it in this game. Russ was really engaged on both sides of the ball and he was Mm -hmm. paying attention to details on both sides of the ball. And again, outside of a first quarter where he was pretty bad and I was concerned about a spillover effect, he was, he was locking into the things that he's supposed to do. And it was, it's a, it's nothing else to me, a reminder and evidence that if he wants to do those things, he can. It is not always going to be perfect, and I don't expect him to, by the end of this season, turn into Matisse Thibel. But, yeah, there's yeah. A, but there is a lot of stuff that if he gives a crap to do it, he can do it. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. And a lot of this is just, do you give a crap about it enough to do it? I, I, I think there are nights when he does. And I think the discipline that he doesn't have and the skill set that he doesn't have is actually being able to do that every night. Um, but we'll see. And, you know, and, and, you know, that to me is a skill that a lot of players just don't have where they can, they can do they have the discipline to do it night to night. They have a discipline to do it where they don't have the discipline and, and, and the, to do it every night, but you know, we'll see. Um, certainly Saturday and look, was Russ is not the most disciplined player on the planet to begin with. So. Correct. So we'll see. See and you know, um, let's we'll look at that. I, I want a quick word on the the LeBron uh, milestone sort of <laughs> that was kind of constructed for him uh, for Saturday's game, and then we'll get into the Goran Dragic buyout market sweepstakes. Currently, the biggest <laughs> name on the market. We'll do all that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. Football may be over for the season. Congrats uh, to the Rams and to Travis Rogers, the host of Locked on Rams. Make sure. You listen to him today to get a breakdown of just history being made in Los Angeles. But basketball, full swing for the pros and college hoops. So for all the latest odds, totals, player performances, props, et cetera, to where the next fired coach is going to land in whatever sport, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right down to Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device. Learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the games start. And I do want to note both – I. I, I because LeBron James is passing different people, different all the time now. We're just we, rocketing up. We covered Kobe during this period where every game Kobe <laughs> played was a new record, a new milestone, and there. I mean, Kobe obviously was somebody that truly appreciated basketball history, and you know he was a junkie for this stuff. So you know he he obviously understood the significance of all these things. But there were occasionally times where like you'd ask Kobe about this after the game and you could tell as, you know, hyper aware of everything in his career that Kobe was, there were no times idea. where he generally like, really? That yeah, just happened. No. I mean, they just, there's too many of them. I mean, like yeah. LeBron's the same thing. Like, and you know, we also forget these are people who have been getting awards, and like, you know, piling up accolades for, you know, 20 years. It is easy to lose track. Um, the one he passed on Saturday 
I just thought was weird because it was such an odd framing. It, uh, it was both simultaneously incredibly impressive, but also too felt like an engineer talking point. It was most points in his career combined playoffs and regular season. He passed Kareem. And I said to myself, God damn, that is really impressive. Also, nobody ever talks like that. <laughs> nobody ever puts that together, like career playoffs and you know, regular season. Maybe we should, you know, maybe we should have been doing this for years, but nobody ever does. And so I was just like, wait, and this one feels like we're making it up. So we have something to talk about on Saturday. Okay. Let me ask you this. If the Lakers were better, like if say they were a four seed, do you think anybody would have noticed this with LeBron or been looking well, Yes. I, I think it would have been brought up and I don't think it would have been quite as, I do think there was slightly a concern of like, we need to find something to cling to here. Well, I just thought it was one of those things and we don't have to dwell on it. I just, it was, there are, you're right. It's because there are so many of these things and he passes this guy and he passes that guy. And obviously when he passes Carl Malone, he's got like 400 points to pass Carl Malone and he's probably going to pass Kareem at some point next year. He's averaging 29 points a game. At 30, I always forget, is he 36 or 37? He is 37. That is really impressive. He's 37. He's averaging more, you know, like 29 points a game. That is amazing. Um, but I just, this one, I just was like, God, that is really amazing. And I feel like we just made that up as a TV event. Do you know um, when, Brian, the last time LeBron averaged 29 points per game was? Oh, probably a decade ago. I'm looking at it right now. The 2009-2010 season, he averaged 29.7. Wow. This is the most points he has averaged in 12 years. Uh, Andy, you know he'd be able to get more points if he had maybe a little bit more help at point guard. And mm -hmm. speaking of which, um, reports are that... This is, oh my God, this is the fourth, so far the fourth highest average of his career. Right now, yeah. I mean, I just it's, you you mentioned Kobe before. There's a little bit of that with LeBron, where like he's been so good for so long that you just kind of forget. Like when Kobe had that streak where he scored average like 50 points a game for like a Is month and a half, 2006 season, right? And and like he then you know kind of cooled off and had like two games in a row where he was at like 34. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're just like, eh, you know, all right. Well, you know, well, like the, by like the eighth game in a row where he scored 50. You're like, eh, okay, well, what else? Yeah. We've told this story before, though, but th this is one of the things that always stands out to me with 81, because you and I were in the building when that happened. During that game, going into halftime, what felt like the story was the Lakers are going to crap the bed and lose to this awful Raptors team. Right. And you know they are trying to jockey for playoff positioning, and Kobe is carrying these dudes as much as he possibly can, and he had something like 27 at the half, and it felt like he was settling in for like a 45, maybe 50-point game. But for Kobe in that moment, right, that literally was... nobody's impressed by that. Like no, that, that was the fact that Kobe's on pace to finish with like 54 points. You're just no. like, eh, okay. No, that that in and of itself didn't feel noteworthy. No, and then I all. remember you and I, like, as they started getting back into this game, all of a sudden one of us looked at the other and was like, Oh my god! Do you realize how many points Kobe has? Like, but, it was like, but like, but it's also the threshold. Like, when you go back, yeah. like, for Kobe to get your attention with the amount of points he has, he needs to get to like sixty, and then right. you start to notice and he's got a lot of points. Yeah, I just like one of us noticed in the third quarter, like, oh my god, have you have you looked at where Kobe's at? Pretty good. Like, pretty yeah. Good.
But um, yeah, right, you, so, you you get spoiled. So you uh, Woj reports that the Lakers are going to uh, be very aggressive in going after Goran Dragic, who is presumably expected to be bought out very quickly by uh, San Antonio, where he was traded uh, on the uh, deadline day last week. Um, good. I mean, I, I'm I'm very curious as to what aggressive means. Like, uh, where are we on on the uh, Goran Dragic buyout market? I mean, looking at where the Lakers are right now, aggressive to me feels like they're going to kidnap Goran. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're just going to show up one day and put one of those black hoods over his head and like shove him <laughs> in a car trunk and keep him there until basically there's like 15 minutes until the buyout market where you can sign with a playoff team ends. Right. right now, there is nothing compelling. I don't care how aggressive you are. I don't care if you start stalking Goran Dragic. I don't care if you stand outside his window with a boombox playing in your eyes. I don't know what the appeal is right now if you're Goran Dragic. Well, this is part of the issue that we covered on last week after the deadline was just that this idea that Lakers could go ahead and be aggressive on the trade market. I mean, if you're a ring-chasing veteran, and presumably that is what Goran Dragic is, I mean, I, I know I said I thought they played better on Saturday. I'm not willing to say they're a, a top-flight destination because he's going to have a lot of suitors. Um, and, yeah, well, let's see. I mean, I, I think it. They this is where Tuesday, and kind of to we can finish here, um, you know, we'll have more time to talk on Tuesday's show about this kind of stuff too. Um, where I think the sort of moral victory stuff starts to matter is like, even if you're not winning all the time, they have the hardest schedule of any team that's left in the NBA. They, all they do is play Utah and Golden State, and you know, and and you know, every contending team they got a couple. I think they got at least one game left against Phoenix. They see a couple decent Eastern Conference teams. Like they they have a brutal schedule. And they ha if they look competitive in these games, even if they don't win them all, if they look competitive, they have a chance to maybe show some of these guys, whoever they may be, that, okay, you know what? They're not that far away. I could help this team. And they really do have a prayer. So that's where Saturday games like Saturday sure. matter. Because the standings, again, it's probably eight or nine. It matters. Win once versus win twice. I am not soft pedaling the difference between, but there's no like rip off 15 games in a row and we can get up to the four spot. Like, no, that's not, we're not, nobody should be talking like that. If it happens, great. It's probably not. It's just, just play better. You know, look like a competent team. Look competent against Utah on Tuesday. Come out of the break. Look competent against the teams that you're playing. Like a team that could win a couple games in a playoff series. And now maybe you can attract a, a buyout guy. Maybe that's maybe. all. That's all I'm saying. I mean, maybe they've or go back is, to plan A. Well, this is trunk. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they've put themselves in a really bad situation in terms of trying to get dudes on the buyout market. I mean, it, I actually think it's one of the reasons that they didn't uh, that they didn't cut anybody from the roster. It's I just I'm I am not sure they are expecting to get guys on the buyout market anyway, and or that there's going to no, be that many guys worth getting. Right. Well, but if there's no reason to cut a guy and still pay him, if you don't end up filling his spot with anybody no. anyway, no. Wait until wait until yes. you. I'm sure they tried to unload people, but sure. But I'm uh, just saying in terms of outright cutting anyone. 
you, and you know your incentive to pay somebody, whether it's cash or a second rounder or whatever, to take DeAndre Jordan off your hands is certainly lessened if you don't know who's coming to fill that roster exactly. spot. So um, we'll keep an eye on on how what that's looking like. A reminder to subscribe to Locked on Lakers on YouTube. We're very close to 5,000 subscribers. Yes. That will make us feel very good about ourselves. So if you could help us push past that, we'd certainly appreciate it. Um, appreciate all the support there. Another reminder to make another Locked on podcast your second listen after making us your first. See everybody Tuesday.